If you've been listening to our program for some time, you know that Don and I came from conservative backgrounds. So it was entirely foreign for us that God would in our day and age communicate with his people in images and memories and emotions. But over time, we've increasingly come to the belief that Jesus clearly taught his people that his death on the cross was not merely so that we can go to heaven, but that we could have fellowship with God in this life and in the next. And this fellowship with God can and should result in the healing of our hearts and minds. In our last episode, we discussed how a prayer session that was outside of Don's theological box led him to cry out and ask, under whose authority am I doing these things? And what is going to happen to me? And the sense that he got was that the Lord was asking him, why are you here? And not why are you here at this university, but why are you here on this earth if not to do my will? And he surrendered his dignity and career as a professor, not knowing what would come. In this episode, Don, a former student, and I discussed the first class where Don stepped out in faith and began practicing listening and inner healing prayer with his classes corporately. We had no idea what would happen when he did. Welcome to Unquenchable, where we discuss all things biblical theology, listening prayer, and Christian living. Each week, we'll share a discussion, an interview, or a story that will feed your spiritual curiosity, helping you to better understand the Bible and receive inner healing so you can grow in intimacy with Christ through prayer. Today, I'm here with my wife, Jen. Hello, everyone. And we have a special guest and friend with us. Welcome to the show, Sage Bird. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Sage, as we launch this podcast, we're sharing a bit of our story, and we're glad to have you here to tell a bit of that story. Sage, you were one of my students in the New Testament theology class when I first stepped out in faith and began publicly leading the class and listening to your healing prayer. That's right. So, Don, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about your perspective from that day? Sure. This was about five years ago. And I had felt the Lord leading me to take what I was learning in my personal prayer sessions and my prayer with my students individually, and just felt like he was leading me to do this more in a public way, just uh, leading people more corporately. And so I was praying through when I should do this, and I had read that you shouldn't do listening to inner healing prayer with folks who haven't really had an exposure to Scripture, that don't, aren't able to test it. And so I didn't really think it would be appropriate in my New Testament survey classes with freshmen and sophomores. And instead, I really felt like it would be a great place to be able to lead them in my New Testament theology class where they had seniors and biblical studies majors and a lot of the uh, spiritual leaders on campus. But what was it on that day that prompted you to lead the students to listen in prayer? Yeah, it came out of the question and answer session. And one of the students raised his hand and said, what would you do if a student was struggling with this? And he explained the situation, and I said, well, you know, I don't really give advice much anymore. Instead, what I do is I just take them to Jesus. It tends to be better because they'll do what Jesus says. They don't tend to do what I say. <laughs> they take that clear answer. Well, I saw hands shoot up everywhere, and the students asked, well, what does that mean, practically speaking? And so I could just sense this was the time that I was supposed to lead them, and so that I could feel this smile creeping up on my face, and I was just, just said, well, would you like to do it right now? And I could sense that the students were curious and some hesitant. They knew I was offering something, but they didn't quite know what it was. Yeah, I remember you coming home that day, and you were just so excited. It seemed like something foundational. So what was it that you prayed with them? Yeah. Well, I just prayed that the Lord would bring their mind to rest and their heart to peace, and that God would show them what the biggest lie was that they were believing at that moment. And I'd never seen or felt anything like what had happened next. How did they respond? Well, 
I then asked how many of you, when I asked that, how many of you a word came to mind or a picture or a memory or a strong emotion, and how many of you felt as though maybe there was an answer that was almost there, but it was hazy or swirling or distant, all white or all black, and I just kind of had them raise their hands along the way. And then each group, as they raised their hands, I would pray specifically for that group, helping them to process what they were dealing with right at that time, what was coming to them. Because many of them were, of course, disregarding what was coming to their mind. And I had learned at that point that as we're praying and asking the Lord and as things come, that we should toss those things back up to him and ask him, Lord, what is this? What does this mean? And so it was interesting because I, suddenly there just felt like this weightiness in the room. And I could could feel um, what, something was going on spiritually. And people were individually dealing with the Lord, but we were now corporately doing this. And so you could hear people sniffling and weeping. And it was just an amazing just weight and presence at that time. Yeah. So Sage, can you describe that day as you first experienced it? Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, to have me describe that experience. I barely even recognized the girl that was sitting in the chair in that class. And truly one of the biggest things that shocked me was a professor diverting from what he was supposed to be teaching to do this said prayer experiment with the class. And there were a lot of people who were really excited and there were other people that were just happy to not be doing class. (laughs) Um, But I remember, Don, you asked the Lord to bring our swirling and anxious thoughts to a place of rest. And in that moment, it was as if my, my brain was driving on a road and it just came to a stop sign. And there was such a stillness that within half a minute, the cares of this world just seemed to cease. And I was actually able to rest in the presence of the Lord. I like that image just to say it sounded like coming before a stop sign. So was there any truth um, that you really realized from that time? I think the biggest thing in that, because I was really at the beginning of my journey of a listening style prayer with the Lord, was just that prayer really is a two-way conversation with the Lord. And we hear that a lot. Most, Most churches we go to will say that prayer is conversation with God, but very few times you actually learn how to listen. We learn how to bring our anxieties We learn how to petition, which is good, but no one really teaches us how to receive back from the Lord. So Don, what happened next? So I asked the class if anyone wanted to share what had happened, and several students did share what happened. I remember one specifically, he talked about how he had this family picture that he carried with him, and it always bothered him. He loved his family, but at the same time, he just had this emptiness because he never had a father in his life. And the sense he got was that the Lord was putting himself in that picture and saying, I am your father, I am there with you. And others around the class shared as well. It was just really a a very encouraging time. And even those who were in the room not really knowing what was going on or understanding what was going on, when people started to share testimonies, it started to make sense. They started to understand that, that something is happening. Something happened in that moment. So was there any fallout or any kind of uh, consequence from this class? I thought to myself after the class was over, I'm, I'm probably going to get called in the dean's office after this. But really nothing happened of, of that sort. Um, but what did happen actually surprised and scared me even more. What was that? What happened? Well, when I came into the class two days later, and what I was surprised to find is the students weren't just sharing the testimonies of what had happened then. They were sharing testimonies about how they had gone back to their dorms or called their parents or their boyfriends or girlfriends or their sister. And they're talking about all of these people that they utilized from that very first time that utilized the prayer that we did in order to lead other people that they cared about. And just immediately they saw an application of, I can help these other people in this way. And it really scared me because it was almost like this unstoppable fire that I didn't know what to do with. So what did you do? How were you going to shepherd that? Yeah, so I just really felt frightened. 
I thought, now I'm really going to be in trouble with the school. It's not just me praying with this group of small, this small class. It was now all over the campus. And so I was actually tempted to tell them, stop. We, we, I haven't discipled you in this. I haven't taught you in this. I've been praying in these ways for years now. And they were just doing it from day one, going out. And I just didn't know what to do. And so I you know, really was just throwing up one of those partial silent prayers about, Lord, what do I do in this moment? And the sense that I got was, well... Um, are they in the scriptures? Are they in the community of faith? And and that's what I asked them. I said, can we agree together that if we're going to pray and we're going to listen in prayer, then we need to desperately be involved in a community of faith. We desperately need to know the scriptures. And they all agreed? They agreed. So this was such a freeing moment because I realized I didn't have to control what was happening. I just merely had to shepherd it and lead them into the community, lead them into scripture so my focus could now shift to praise with them. And I could marvel at how quickly God was working in the lives of my students and their families and their friends and even strangers in just two days. So clearly this was the beginning of something big God was about to do in the lives of many. And it was, and Don was not reprimanded by the dean's office. Instead, reports kept coming in of how this class began to reform the way that students all over campus prayed. Following this class, Don and I would now begin praying more and more with his students each week. And time and time again, we would walk away marveling at the healing that could happen as they listened to God in prayer. Sage, who's with us today, is an example of one of these students. So Sage, would you share a bit about your prayer journey during this time as you prayed through things? Yeah, for sure. My prayer journey during this time was really interesting. It seemed like a lot of the images I would see in prayer, whether that was with you or with Don or even on my own, would revolve somehow around a root of self-hatred. I remember at one point it was as if I was in this cage. It was a cage of my own making, but I chose to be in there and I locked myself in there because it was safe in there. No one could come in, but I also couldn't get out. And as we prayed, it was as if Jesus himself had come and he opened the cage and he broke down this bondage and he held out his hand to me. And I, I remember being so terrified as, as I'm praying and I'm, I'm almost like trembling in fear because I knew that if I took his hand, he was light, he was pure light. And if I took that hand, his light would shine into the darkness and the darkness wouldn't overcome it. The, the sin and the brokenness in my heart would be revealed. That really terrified me, but in that moment, I think the Lord granted me the faith to be able to reach out and take his hand and his light did purify me. We started walking together away from that cage and he told me to just keep going forward. The cage didn't disappear. I could still see it behind me, but we just kept walking forward and away from it. And that cage was labeled self-hatred. And I think that the misery in my life had led me to this place of self-hatred. Yeah. I remember one other time too, that we prayed had to do with some of your self protection that the Lord was crumbling. So you mentioned these images and interactions. Is this something different in prayer for you? Was that different at the time? Oh, it was brand new. It was absolutely alarming to me. I am an artist and so I love images. I'm very artistic and creative by nature, but to start seeing images in my head was a little freaky at first until I started understanding and realizing that all of these things were rooted in scripture and that his spirit was speaking to me. So where were these understandings about that and about the, the light, that image with Jesus, where was that leading you? It was as if he was showing me that he alone has set me free from both sin and death and that he is sovereign Lord. He walks alongside of us as we heal. It served really as an image for me just to remember God's truth and his word, that his kindness leads us to repentance and that he breaks us free from our sin and bondage, that he has done the work. 
So Sage, what's really stuck with you? How has this affected your prayer life over the last few years? Yeah, over the years, my prayer life has definitely become more and more characterized by truly a holy fear of God, which I had desperately prayed for. Um, It's taken on humbler tones as I've slowly began to recognize more and more just my place as a creative being who is completely dependent on this uncreative, different, and utterly independent creator. And this creator, God, he's not aloof, he's not far off, he's not distant, but he is right here. He is present and active in his world and among his people. He's a triune God that has stepped into history and invites us into this relationship with him. And so listening to the Lord to lead me out of this bondage of sin and lies It's just allowed my mind and heart and time to focus prayer on other places, to be less self-focused within my prayer of all of my issues and all of these things that I feel are wrong with me, but to actually have the capacity to focus prayer into places like adoration and meditation on his character, as well as an ability to feel a deep compassion for other people and pray for them with empathy and love because no longer am I locked up in my misery that can't see anyone else, but I'm able to actually have deep feelings for other people. We just love to hear stories like this. And if you do too, join us next week as we discuss what happened when I began practicing listening prayer and my class of 500 New Testament survey students who are almost entirely non-religion majors. In the meantime, if you're listening, we want to hear from you. Leave us a five-star review to let us know that you're enjoying the show. And perhaps you're like us and you're struggling to get your mind and your theology around some of the concepts that we are teaching or you're just stepping out in faith and seeking to lead others to listen in prayer. Email us at drlove at praythroughit.com and let us know where you're coming from and what we can do to help. We are dedicating this year to step away from other ministries and to focus entirely on teaching others how to lead others to inner healing and intimacy with Christ through prayer. So we'd love to partner with you and maybe even meet up with you to help strengthen you and fan the flame of what God has already begun in you.